Whether you're a polyamateur or polyambitious, polyambiguous or polyam, I really hold your head high. Let your freaky flag fly, cause your polyamory should be uncensored. Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Hi there, you're listening to episode 94 of Polyamory Uncensored, where we chat with sparkles. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, so sparkles, who are you? Hey, so I'm sparkles. I am a performer and educator and mom here in Milwaukee. Any identifiers or labels you like to use? I'm polyamorous. What are your pronouns? Oh, she, her. Thank you. Cool. Our next question, other than like how you identify, which uh, is what you went over, is what does polyamory mean to you? So polyamory to me is the freedom to love and connect in the way that is best for the people involved. What drew you to polyamory? So I have always connected with multiple people at one time in different ways. It is rare for me to have a connection that is both romantic and sexual. I typically, in like the history of my connections with people, had romantic connections that were not sexual or sexual connections that weren't romantic. And I also just tended to have like a lot of really close intimate connections with friends that were maybe like in other ways of looking at it, it looks like best friends because we did so much together and we like connected so much. So that was like always something I noticed that I like connected a little bit differently than maybe other people did. And um, I also like had like a general idea of polyamory from like pretty young age and thought that that might be something that I was, but I wasn't like really sure about it until my early 20s. And by the time I had my daughter, when I was 24, I knew that I was polyamorous, but I didn't know if that was like something I could navigate as a mom. And so it took me like several years to figure out how to really like lean into that and like establish supportive relationships as a single mom. Oh, and I was going to say as a single mom too, right? Like it yeah. wasn't even, yeah, that's an added, a huge added layer of complication. For sure. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's yes. dad was yes, my is. very good friend and we have always co-parented. We've never been a couple. Oh, interesting. Parents. So like my relationship with him was kind of like a form of a polyamorous relationship, right? Because we have like a very distinct relationship that has always been relationship and we don't have to worry about like the end of a romantic relationship right we didn't have that that was something when I was pregnant I was like no we're not ever gonna get together to try to raise her we're going to raise her as ourselves as friends and that is so cool yeah I feel like that's becoming more common especially in like the relationship anarchy community but to do it before you even identified as like poly or or 
maybe an anarchist. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Forward thinking. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I was just like, I'd seen all the complications with my friends when they tried to like get back with their partner or like have a relationship with their baby daddy, if you will. <laughs> and both him and I worked at a daycare. So I'd seen like a lot of like relationships in that area too, like people's parents and how things would go down. And I was just like, there are better ways we can figure out a good way to do this. Like we're both really good with kids. So that was really like when I realized that I was not going to be doing things the way that other people did. Mm-hmm. For sure. Just for the record, it's also just as challenging with baby mommies. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And then I think that for me, understanding that I'm like queer romantic was another step of like my personal growth. Like I, I rarely um, have like heterosexual romantic connections, but I can have really like loving connections, like heterosexual connections. I was engaged and like gonna marry a person I was with, a man I was with for eight years, but our relationship was never like super romantic. It was always like, this is my best friend and we're gonna hang out and be together. (laughs) And so after that relationship like failed, I was like, yeah, I should really look more into this polyamory thing and like, and dating more queers. And um, since doing that, I have really like, understood myself more and had like way more meaningful, powerful relationships. So that was in 2017 that our relationship ended. And I really like decided that I was only having polyamorous relationships from then forward. And it's been really much better since Mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. So what, if anything, do you find difficult about polyamory? Communication, because that's difficult with everything, right? Um, And with polyamory, in order to have like successful connections, you have to have like vulnerable communication on a regular basis um, about things that maybe you haven't even talked to people about before, like private things and understanding yourself in a way that allows you to understand what you need And if something's not working, understanding why that's not working. So, yeah, I think self-awareness and communication are the trickiest things about navigating polyamory. When did you know you were polyamorous? You know, the first conversation I remember having about it, my daughter was one. And so I was like 25 and I was talking to a couple of my like close friends and I was like, talking about how I would really not mind having multiple partners and how that would maybe be better for me in a lot of ways. And then also immediately, because like that was 15 years ago. And at that time, like in 2007, I didn't have any sort of polyamory community or really like know anything about it. So like I had that awareness, but I also felt like maybe it wasn't something that I could do as a single mother. I was like, Ooh, would that look okay for judges when like we're Mm -hmm. going to court? Like I have two girlfriends and a boyfriend, like, (laughs) so that sort of thing just held me back for a long time. Yeah. That's totally fair. Absolutely understandable. I mean, it's can be a scary world out there. Yeah. So when, if ever, did you feel different from other folks? (laughs) 
for me, I've always felt different from other folks in various, various ways. So I always. <laughs> mm-hmm. What other ways made you feel different? Uh, well, I'm neurodivergent. So I felt different from people and how like people connect and understand what's going on and uh, process things. I've always felt a bit different. For sure. Yeah. And so connecting differently wasn't surprising to me. I was like, ah, yes, I do this differently as well. Who would have thunk? Right. Well, and and even the way you describe separating like sexual and romantic connections and often just we are societally expected for those to be intrinsically linked. And for some people, they're not. And that that must be difficult, I imagine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And confusing for me when I was younger, too, because I wasn't into guys the way that my other bisexual friends were into guys. And I'm I'm bisexual, but I'm queer romantic. And so, like, I would have closer, like, like emotional connection with my female friends than I would with, like, my fiance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just, like, how things worked for me. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I think that it is hard to navigate. I mean, even as a a kid growing up and to this day, I'm 35 and I'm still like, am I bisexual and biromantic or am I, you know, like, and I'm like, what is the difference? And I, oh, and it always feels like different day to day, or sometimes I'll get like a imposter syndrome. Cause I'm like, well, I've been with more men than women, you know, like I'll always like yeah. have to second guess myself. And then I was like, it's not a numbers game. It doesn't matter. I could be celibate and it would still, you know, I'd still have an identity. It's always like an internal struggle when yeah. you fall on different, in different places, in different parts of your like identity. Yeah, absolutely. So relatable. So, so <laughs> relatable. Like the bi dilemma. How <laughs> does bi since I was probably 18 or 19, probably 19. Oh. And I'm 52. So (laughs) I've still like, you know, wandered all over the scale and, you know, had times when I've been like, I don't know, maybe I am really just into men or maybe I am just into women or maybe I am just into, you know, like it's, it can really make your head explode if you try to define it with an idea that this is absolutely the truth and it's permanent and it's ever changing. Right. Like boxing yourself in, like, why, why do it? If you think of the spectrum as like a pool, you're, you're swimming back and forth. Like who cares? (laughs) And like, it's cool to have different parts of your life where you're exploring different parts of the pool because you have like different experiences and like insights and knowledge as you grow. Yeah. So realizing that you're attracted to different things or being attracted to different people and like different types of identities as you grow is completely understandable and something that we should probably like as a people give ourselves more room for yeah for sure absolutely yeah permission for all listeners (laughs) you (laughs) You are bisexual enough bisexual bisexual enough and you can be attracted to whoever you want and however, in whatever way that is for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you want to claim the identity, it's yours. Right. If you don't yeah. want to claim the identity, you also don't have to claim the identity, right. regardless of who you've had sex with in the past. Yeah. There are no identity polices. Police. <laughs> Force. No, Not whatever. on this <laughs> No, no. And we don't uh, approve of them when we do encounter them. Yeah. <laughs> when, no, yeah. Um, all right. So where are you on your poly journey? 
Let's see. I am, I feel like I am like fully committed to my poly journey now. And I'm like really starting to like enjoy and appreciate it. It's been really helpful for me to have like our poly community here in Milwaukee. It's an amazing group. And I am in some like other groups online too, which are also cool. And it's just, it's really nice to have community around like how you love and connect and like places where you feel comfortable fully, fully expressing yourself. Um, so right now I, I feel like I fully understand how I best connect and I like know the kind of relationships that I like want and the kind of relationships that I am seeking for like the future. I feel like I am midway up a hill on my poly journey <laughs> and I'm about to be able to see all of the heights and all of the sights. <laughs> um, yeah, just like I am at a point where I know when like a relationship for me is something that I should pursue. When we're all like interested in each other and we have like similar values and things, I, I know when it's a good deal for me and something that I should pursue. And when I was younger, I was really unsure. And I, I, for me, I've always been like, oh, there's so many possibilities. Where do I go? What do I do? How do people know this? Um, and so I feel like I know now, which I'm 40. And that took a minute. And that's okay. <laughs> I've been a late bloomer in literally all things. So I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I even having a kid, I was like, we're gonna wait until I'm 30. 30 seems yeah. like a good time. <laughs> and I know awesome. with, even when I was like at 20, my oh gosh, I, I was working at a, at a like clothing store. I think I was like 22 or 23 at the time. And there was an older woman there working at the jewelry counter. And she was talking, asking me about my boyfriend and stuff. And at the time I was dating a married man. So marriage oh, wasn't wow, okay. on the, you know, like that's not on the table. Children weren't even on the table. Like neither of us wanted children. So I was kind of hedged you know like oh yeah i'm dating someone we're not we don't have any intention of getting married we don't have any intention of having kids and I, again i was like 22 23 and she was like well you better hurry up and i was like um i, I don't actually have to <laughs> like like i know that in your generation everyone had kids at 18 but like no actually i feel like i have a pretty good amount of time i've got a lot of time yeah. to figure this out nobody's yep. in a hurry <laughs> Yeah. I was 38 when my youngest child was born. Wow. Almost 39. So, yeah, there's no I mean, there's time. a hurry in a certain biological sense, like mm -hmm. things do slow down in their functionality. Sure. But, they get a little more difficult, but yeah, but um you know, that doesn't mean like, oh, God, you're 23. Better hurry. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. And even then, like the science is is very much like, oh, it goes up by half a percentage or something, you know, or goes down right. by half a percentage. It's, it's you're still pretty good. Um, I mean, depending 42, <laughs> the chances start to be pretty low. Right. Um, yeah. But then you just have to use way more technology. Even mm -hmm. um, I have a friend who is a year or two older than me who has six year olds. Oh, OK. Oh, so yeah. she had to have been 45, 40. Let's see. No, she had to have been 46 or 47 when they were born. Sure. Dang. Yeah. That's awesome, I mean, though. I mean, if you got the energy for it, do it. Right. <laughs> if you want yeah. to. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even imagine. Yeah. But 
<laughs> yeah, I <laughs> can't. I, I'm we're one and done. So I'm like, yeah. ah, no, that's insane. like, but yeah, I, I but I do feel like I wanted to be at a certain time in my life, like I really feel stable and stuff. And so for me, that was 30. We made a conscious decision to get pregnant and then we did. And luckily we were able to, but yeah, it's, it, it did feel like I did a lot of things in life a little bit later than say like my mom and my, my mother's generation and my grandmother's generation, for sure. She was pregnant at 15. So oh, wow, okay, actually, yeah. my mother was too, uh, but that was like, not on purpose. My grandmother was married at 15. My mother was like a high schooler who didn't know about condoms yet. <laughs> you know, right. like, yeah. So, oh yeah. Everything I feel like is, especially for our generation, maybe millennials and, and especially Gen Z, things are just going to be more of a choice. We don't have adult, uh, or at least I feel like the default setting isn't as considered a default for a lot of us. Yeah. Like we have a choice if we know it. And that's really yeah. cool. I love that. That's that is really cool. We live in. I think that's also true of Gen X. I'm going to just stand up for Gen, Gen X. Gen X. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I forget you're not a millennial, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll take that as a compliment. Yes. <laughs> So in that, um, where are you kind of questioning, where do you hope to go or do you have any poly goals for the future? Not like a particular destination. I, you know, want to have love and happiness as I continue in my life. Um, like I want to have meaningful and beautiful relationships that last decades. These are things that I want for myself. And I think that that will happen no problem. I hope to have some partners that I can juggle and spin hula hoops and things with. Oh, that would be cool. Um, I I actually got my partner Frankie into hula hooping a little bit and I got them gloves for Christmas for like dancing with their hands. So oh, that's awesome. we're, we're well on our way. <laughs> That's really cool. That sounds so um, fun. Yeah. Polyamorous circus. Is that a goal? Can I have Ooh, that goal? Yes. That's <laughs> a good goal. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Traveling polyamorous circus. I could see it. <laughs> oh man. That could get messy. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not my real goal, <laughs> but it's a fun fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, so why do you think you are polyamorous? I think that I am polyamorous because of like how I connect with others. And this is actually a pretty good segue because I I really feel that like personality wise and like just how I am as a human being, like this form of connection is what I do and it's what I've always done. I just didn't know that there was a label for it, but yeah, I've always had like multiple deep connections at one time and they like look differently, but they are like loving connections. And so like knowing that about myself, that is really why. And um, one of the things that I've noticed as I have gotten into astrology over the past five years, I actually... Uh, started really getting into astrology and polyamory in the same year in 2017. So, um, yeah. And the more that I've learned about astrology and my chart, the more that I've been like, ah, yes, this makes sense that this is how I connect because, uh, I have some, some chart placements that really allow me to connect with 
individuals as an individual and like see um, see them and like everything that they have to offer as a person and like appreciate that as a separate thing and be able to have that kind of relationship with um, multiple people to just like connect with people in that way. Mm-hmm. What, what about your placement? Oh, I was just going to say that particular placement that I'm talking about is um, my Mars and Libra and um, my partner, Frankie, who I mentioned earlier, has that same placement. Ah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and why did you agree to be on the podcast? Um, because I've really enjoyed the episodes of this podcast that I've heard so far. And um, I like talking about polyamory and I like talking about astrology. So I was like, ooh, come <laughs> info dump on your podcast don't mind if i do <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm very excited because actually we got this idea while talking to frankie on i think it was like well let me check my notes episode 90 and i literally have a note it's like oh astrology you know, it's like a, like with a box and everything like message sparkles all right so <laughs> um so but yeah also something. i think some of our most fun episodes are the ones where people are like i have so much to say <laughs> <laughs> yes Yeah, that is always, always a good time. All right, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey there, interested in more Polyamory Uncensored content? You're in luck. We just started a blog, polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com. We're going to be showcasing stuff like episode breakdowns, polyamory and ethical non-monogamy related book reviews and guest posts from authors like you if you'd like to be a guest author contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com and you might be able to see your work up on our website again that's polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com and we're going to have some fun new poly related content for you thanks see you there All right. Welcome back. And today we are speaking with Sparkles about astrology and how that can relate to polyamory. Uh, So I guess for folks that might not be really into astrology, can we give a real basic rundown of like what that is and maybe how, and we can get into it more obviously, like with more detail, but like what is astrology basically? Okay, so astrology basically is study of the energies of the planet. And all of those energies are are in the planets around us in the solar system and how those energies like impact the people on this planet. So yeah, astrology is the belief that the energies of the universe are present in everyone in the universe and then um, understanding how those energies manifest in each individual. And we take information from birth charts to like make sense of that, of the placements? Yeah. So you can understand like how like the energy of the universe is manifesting by looking at a birth chart and that birth chart will show you how like all of the energy is coming out in the person. So like all people have all of the energy of the universe inside of them. They just may have like more access or less access to some of the different energies. And, um, and so I always laugh if someone is like really anti assign because I'm like, hmm, I wonder like where that energy is in your life. And like, and I 
have seen in practice that a lot of times someone is, say, for example, anti-Gemini, or because that's one where you'll hear a lot of trash talking about Gemini signs. Um, (laughs) And it's like, well, Gemini energy is all about like, it's ruled by Mercury. And so it's all about like thinking and understanding and like, considering multiple viewpoints and it's like oh or do you have trouble understanding like multiple viewpoints is that why you're anti-gemini energy like so yeah what whenever does it say I, about you yeah right? that's interesting. i'm like hmm Hmm, you don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I I often say that I'm very cautious of Scorpios and then I found out my like rising like um sign was Scorpio and I was like oh I wonder if it's because I like I see part of me in that energy and then yeah. you know, the part that I don't like the stubbornness or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is a really interesting take though. I didn't think of, I have not thought about that like one-to-one um, in that way. That's really interesting. Yeah. So how does astrology help you understand yourself? So I, for me, I, I'm a Pisces like you. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was first like, understanding my chart i have very strong capricorn placements my moon and my venus are in capricorn and um and and in my first house and so that means that this energy this capricorn energy is very prominent in my life and venus is our passions and like how we love and how we express our passions so like maybe art, maybe like how we create whatever we're passionate about. Our Venus placement really speaks to that. And so I have always been a very creative person, but I didn't like really understand until I saw my chart, how to best nurture that creativity. And when I realized that like both my moon and my Venus are like in the first house in Capricorn I was like I need more structure for my art and for how I connect with others I need to really make plans around these things and um yeah so that that was really helpful because kind of embracing like my my Capricorn energy has really helped me as a person and as like um a creative and as a partner because it has helped me understand like what I need like for me making plans to create art with a loved one is supreme intimacy we are creating art together and that like fires me up I am 100% into that and it is my most passionate self right so like that is one way that has really helped me understand myself and how does one find out more about their chart. Like I, I was just like looking at my CoStar app, which is an app if you want to figure out your birth chart and get a little bit of information. But what do you suggest um, for folks who, because like I could look at that and be like, okay, my my Venus is in, uh, you know, Aquarius. I don't know what that means. You know, like how, how does one, how does one uh, figure out what that means and, and then interpret that into like, well, this could actually get lend some advice for date nights or, you know? Yeah. 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 So um, the, the app that I like best is called Astro Matrix. And um, I like it best because it has really nice breakdowns of your placement. So for example, your Venus and Aquarius, and then um, also aspects. So that is how the planets are 
engaging with each other. So say you have Venus square Mars, it will have an explanation about like what that energy is like and um, how it will impact you. And what Astromatrix also does is it will color code those aspects and placements so that you kind of understand that they might be what we now refer to as harder, soft placements. So challenging or less challenging aspects. And so I really like that about it because it, it has like the color code system and and you can like click on the placement and then it will give you like an explanation about that. And um, another good clickable chart is on astro.com. And that one's a little harder to find, um, but if you go to clickable portrait on astro.com, which is in like the drop down menu um, underneath horoscopes, I think. That will allow you, that will like show you a chart in its circle with its house placements and then the chart that looks like a mystery until you understand how to read it. And I think that sometimes people get intimidated by looking at it, but this clickable chart's nice because you can like press the planet and then it will tell you all about what that planet is doing in your chart, like what sign it in is in, what houses it, it is in, and then all of the planets that it's interacting with, with its aspects. And then you can also just like go onto Google and be like Venus and Aquarius. And you will have very many breakdowns of what people have decided that that means to them. (laughs) Sure. Um, How does it help? Like, how does astrology help you understand your partners? Um, So this is something that I really think is important to be careful with um, because, um, it can definitely help you understand your partners, but I, again, people get in trouble with like being like, oh, like kind of judging with the signs instead of like understanding with the signs. So I think it's important to be like, okay, this partner and their, for example, Libra moon, um, like they need to feel balanced in order to like feel emotionally sound And so like helping them feel balanced when you're having a conversation, although I think everyone appreciates that in some ways, but like your partner with their Libra moon are not going to be able to really connect with their emotions if they're feeling unbalanced. Right. So it's just like something that you can really, you can really get in depth with, right. Like you can, if, and that's like, if the person really connects with their chart too, because I feel like some people don't, and then maybe it's not as a good of a way to understand someone. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. If someone was like, Oh, well, this is what my chart says, but I don't, I don't feel connected to that in any way. Yeah. And I actually, I used to have a coworker who was adopted and her like, she was dropped off at an orphanage. So there's no way for her to figure out her birth chart, but she was really into astrology and the orphanage gave her a birth date, estimated birth date and time. And when she went and got like her, she got a professional chart done, her astrologist, I guess, (laughs) like the person who was doing it said, that's the time and the birth date that the universe gave you. So that is your birth date and time. And that's what we're going to go off of. And, and she was like, and it fit me perfectly. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like that is the, I mean, it literally is like it, to, in, you know, to, to other, an outside person, it's, it's a random, they gave her a random time and, right. and day. But if you believe that like, there's a, I don't know, more of a like spiritual universe, uh, yeah. universal 
force or whatever. That is what the universe gave her. And that's what she believed. And I was like, that's really cool. Like that's a I love that. Neat way to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I really feel like astrology is a way to story our lives, right? This is a narrative that we're using. And um, and so I love that because like her story provided her this chart and that chart related to her on a deep level because that's the story she's on. She was at that orphanage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like her origin story. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for me, one of the reasons why I really got into astrology is because I feel like collective narratives have a lot of power and astrology has for thousands of years been a way that people have understood the energy of our planet and have understood how to connect with that energy. So having it be like a, a running story that had like has continued to go. I think that there's a lot of power there and a lot of like relatable things. And so like relatable archetypes and, um, and so I, yeah, I really like seeing it as, as a story. Mm-hmm. So the the other thing that I really wanted to ask about was like tarot. Um, and I know they're not the same thing, but they're linked in, especially in the community, I guess, of, of witchy folks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and does tarot like help you in your relationships at all or in finding more out about partners or yourself? Sure. So um, tarot is again, another like, archetypal storytelling method, right? Like each card has an archetype, is an archetype like the high priestess, Mm -hmm. um, an archetype of wisdom and knowledge and um, and like feminine uh, power. And then like you place that archetype to tell a story about what's happening with your like current reality, right? Um, So that for me is like the, the big the big uh, similarities. And then also it's like um, using these archetypal references to, for self-understanding um, and uh, also like to understand the world that we're in more, right? Like you're like, I don't know what's going on. Pull some cards on it and try to figure it out. And then you can like understand what's happening, like right in the now. And so I think that those are the two big similarities between the two things is because they're, they can both be used for like deeper understanding of like yourself and um, deeper understanding of like the world around us. For sure. And I feel like when you're doing a tarot reading, it's a lot of communicating, you know, or, yes. or when you're even just pulling cards for yourself, it's a lot of thinking. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Another yeah. thing I wanted to bring up is, um, a pattern I have have noticed in people talking about astrology is this weird undercurrent of sexism in people who hmm. don't believe in astrology or who look down on it. Have you noticed yeah. that at all? Because I mean, I, I think it is kind of a, a thing that oftentimes more women are uh, interested in or believe in. And then it feels like the people who really like shit talk astrology are always men. Yeah. Um, and it feels almost like, oh, well, that's a woman thing. That's a female thing. And therefore it's silly or therefore yeah. it's uh, not worthy of, I don't know, being taken seriously. Yeah, I have definitely experienced some of that. And um, 
I think it's because uh, it is, once you get into it, it's an intuitive practice in a lot of ways. And uh, that is intuition and emotion are linked and our society looks down on emotional ways of relation, right? Like that's not what is like the societal norm. Um, And so I think that that is a big thing. People like, like to pish posh it um, and, you know, be like, well, it's not scientific. And that's true. It's, it's not scientific. It's a storytelling method. Um, and so you're right. It's not science. It's a storytelling method. But it is a very complex storytelling method that, um, that has, like, a lot of relatable things in it. Um, and so I think that that is kind of why because it and also like the people who are pish poshing it they don't have a deep understanding of astrology they are they are often like reacting to like just general horoscope knowledge and like things that they've they've come into contact with so yeah i think that people who just like scoff at it don't have a good understanding of what it is and are also like coming at it with a lot of biases, like logic bias. Sure. I feel like they're often sometimes the same people who scoff at therapy, you know, which is similar in like this, just in the practice of like sitting down and talking to someone about your thoughts and feelings and who you are as a person. Like, I do feel like sometimes a, a tarot reading can be therapeutic, you know? So, so I think that the same people who would be like, oh, that's, that's woman shit. That's, that's um, silly (laughs) stuff is probably the same kind of person who's like, I wouldn't go to therapy. I don't need that. That's for women. Or that's, that's a woman's field or something, you know? And it's like, well, (laughs) okay. Are you just afraid of feelings? (laughs) Are you just afraid of learning? Afraid of being introspective? Like, (laughs) okay. Okay. But (laughs) like, I am probably I'm clearly more skeptical than either of the two of you in terms of like tarot or astrology. Like I can't say it's definitely wrong, but I, I am skeptical. I absolutely believe in introspection and (laughs) in therapy and in, um, you know, storytelling as a very powerful tool to frame our lives. And I do think like tarot, much like a, a lot of other sort of spiritual practices. And I'm going to, I don't know enough about astrology to extend this theory out to astrology, but like very often, if you're looking for guidance on something, it almost doesn't matter what kind of text or media you turn to, you can find something that speaks to you in what you're looking at that will alter the way you understand it or help you make those connections in your mind. Um, But I do think therapy is a little different and a little more scientific. Oh yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Definitely. I feel like if people, like you're saying, like if people need guidance, I I think that obviously therapy is the more uh, professional mode, but sometimes people just need to be listened to so often. I think that people just don't get the opportunity to to talk freely to an unbiased person and, and just be listened to, which is really sad, right? Like we, we just don't get that uh, often uh, that experience. 
And so I've, I've always felt like, and this is as, as someone who doesn't go to therapy, like I do not go to therapy, that if I get to talk to somebody who I don't know at a tarot reading, or they get to talk to me and, and make assumptions and, and, and guesses and, and things that the cards tell them, it has always felt a little bit therapeutic. Like, oh, this is a, a fun little exchange and I get a lot of attention and they get to give me their thoughts and I get to share my thoughts and feelings. And so I don't know, that's why, that's why I bring up therapy. It kind of like felt, it feels like uh, what I assume therapy does and where you kind of just have this exchange of, of thoughts and emotions. Yeah. And it's a little bit similar, but like therapy is again, as Katie said, like more scientific. And so there's like more that you're doing in therapy than just talking. Like there's, there's different types of therapy and different things that happen there. And with, with therapy, it is scientific and your therapist is going to have like a plan of action, right? You have goals Mm. and, and like what you're working on. And with tarot, you're just kind of, you know, having a conversation with another person about your life. And they're both really helpful things, but one is more goal oriented and is with a person who's trauma informed, which is really important. Right. Um, because, uh, and one of the reasons why I don't publish, so I have been using tarot for 20 years, uh, 22 years now, actually, I got my first deck from, no, 21 from my sister when I was 19. And I still have that deck. And, and I don't read for the public. I, I only read for people that I'm close with because I don't want to get too into someone's like personal experience where there may be like, there may be trauma. There may be like a lot of things happening that I'm unaware of. And I don't want to do anything that might like negatively impact that person. And so I don't, I don't read for the public. And for those reasons, because I'm like, yeah, because it, it is like a really personal thing, right? You're like getting into someone's like current experience. And then um, when you're pulling past cards, you're getting into their history and like why they are where they are. And a lot of times, not a lot. Well, yeah, no, a lot of times there is like some trauma and some things that are very um, challenging and that person's experience that, um, if they aren't in therapy, if they haven't like figured out how to deal with that and integrate it into their lives, um, may just be like way more than you as a reader can, can deal with. So like, and have been trained to be able to handle. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also, I, I assume, well, it's hard to say if you're getting a tarot reading, be mindful of not unloading all of your baggage on that person. Cause yeah, they're not right. trained in that. Yeah. Let's they... not trauma dump on our tarot readers. Right. right, right. <laughs> that is fair. So what other kind of stuff did you have for um, relating astrology to polyamory? So people are really into getting birth times from the people they start dating, right? Like <laughs> right. this is like a thing that's definitely happening. And I think especially in the polyamorous community, but I'm also in the polyamorous community. So maybe it's happening in like in the monogamous community a ton too. And I think it is starting to happen a lot more. Um, but the queerer you go, the more prominent it is. And, <laughs> <Sure>. um, <laughs> and, um, I think that's especially probably true among femme identifying queer folks. Yeah. 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 Yeah, We're, we're deep in it out here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so the composite chart, so this is when 
you and you can do this on several different sites. Um, and what you do is you enter your birth time and then your partner or potential partner's birth time. And, um, and it takes those two times and it creates a separate chart, which is the chart of your relationship, um, your composite chart. Um, and it uh, gives you like different placements and, uh, you know, it's like a combination of uh, you meet in the middle. So uh, each planet is going to like come together at a different a different location to like meet. I don't know if this is making sense, how you do the degrees. And you don't have to do any of the math. The computers do it for you, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is good. Um, and then that creates this chart. And um, people will look at this chart and um, kind of be able to see the nature of the relationship um, and like the nature of the joys and challenges of the relationship. And um, I think that it's a really powerful tool if both people are like into astrology and understanding of it and um, can use it as like, something to like as like a conversation device to like be like oh well, we have this placement together and maybe it's like a tricky placement like Neptune um aspects can be really tricky uh there's some Neptune placements that can make it challenging to understand the nature of the relationship like there's like different planets that do different things and I actually had a partner where we had like a really challenging Neptune placement that made like that created kind of this weird situation where maybe we want to understand what the other person was doing or um, maybe like there was some like subterfuge or delusion around what was happening. So we had what I, what we refer to as Neptune check-ins where we were like, talk and see how like things are going what we thought was going on with our relationship just to like make sure that things were cool and that was like one of my first uh partnerships after I like um started getting into astrology and started like having more queer polyamorous relationships and um I will tell you that that chart was actually it said a lot of other things too and I kind of ignored those things and like focused on like what I liked in the chart and that that doesn't work out because the things (laughs) that it said in that chart ended up being our downfall and that Neptune placement was really the thing where we didn't understand what was happening in the relationship and what each other was getting out of the relationship yeah it's it's an interesting thing because I can look at like the charts of my previous relationship and be like oh look we failed in these ways (laughs) and here it is in our chart um so yeah I think it's a good tool to help you navigate but also like don't get too caught up on what it says I've also like looked at charts at potential like potential lovers and been like oh wow we're gonna have such like we could have we could have such a loving deep connection and that doesn't always happen like charts are like composite charts are kind of just a map of possibilities rather than like a for sure thing. So it's nice to look at and they're a great tool, but um, like 
putting a ton of weight in them, I think can um, cause maybe, um, yeah, maybe not be as helpful as you'd like it to be. And I actually recently had a conversation where um, someone told me they gave their birth chart to a friend that they were pretty tight with. And that friend like stopped being friends with them after getting their birth oh, chart. No. And I was just like, that's traumatic. I'm so sorry that you had that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because that would just feel like, oh, I've seen your soul and I don't want anything to do with it. And that is so problematic. I don't know. <laughs> um, because yeah, uh, astrology is not a way to judge people. It is a way to understand people and like see where that, where the energy of the universe is like manifesting in their personality. Um, yeah. So that being said, there's also things in charts, like in composite charts specifically that maybe you'll see it in the chart. I had a, had a partner where we had like just a ton of air sign placements and like a ton and all of the like little clickables on Astro's composite thing was like, this relationship will require a lot of conversations. And like, <laughs> and I was like, I, I was in the relationship for like six months. And then I was like, you know, this is still, still us getting stuck in the same conversations. And I don't think that we're going to get past this part. And um, so sometimes it can like serve as like a helpful check-in to be like, oh, hey, this is actually just where we're, we're at. We're not getting past this point. And maybe we should just be friends and have really interesting conversations together. Um, and, and that particular relationship, that's what we did. And that was much better. That was really interesting. So you can use it more as guidelines for yeah. help or, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you're like having communication issues, like looking at everyone's mercury placement, like individual and then your mercury placement in your composite chart um, can like help you navigate the chart if you have like an understanding of the energy. Um, And even if you don't, if you read some stuff about your placement, you can, you can figure it out, like how you need to connect Um, because mercury is both mercury is really important in like interaction with people because it is both um, how we communicate And then also like it's our self-awareness and like how we understand ourselves. So paying attention to everyone's mercury placements when we're having like a conversation or a conflict so that we can resolve things is, is a cool tool. So what else about polyamory specifically? Do you feel that this is helpful? I think it's fun in some ways because you'll start to notice like uh, trends and how you connect and the signs that you're drawn to in certain ways. And so I think that's fun. And realizing that you are like attracted to Virgos, like, like, (laughs) I guess guess I'm just kind of Virgo energy is kind of cool for me. I like that. Yeah. We Um, actually had a post in the group. I mean, this was like a year or two ago where people just shared their sign to see if they had like been with all of the signs basically. And, and we, we found out that in the, like our specific, I don't know if this is universal, our specific polyamory community, there are a lot of Pisces. And I was like, yeah. I wonder if there's something there, like we're like a loving, I don't know, group of people. Yeah. That's really interesting. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah. It's, it's really fun way to figure things out. And I think, um, yeah, looking at, at your, your trends, I also think that it's cool. You can, 
put all of your molecules birth charts in a thing and check that out. That gets weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it, it gets weird. Um, but it, it's interesting. You can also, so fun thing that you can do is you can take your birth chart and then you can take, um, say, your partner's composite chart with their partner and you can see how you are interacting with that relationship. That's like <laughs> something that you can do for fun. Again, I wouldn't get too upset about that because you're getting pretty deep in the let's play with astrology uh, lands there. But mm-hmm. it is a fun experiment and it's it's cool to see. Yeah, I think it's interesting because people do start to gravitate or do naturally gravitate towards certain energy. And like I mentioned Virgos, like I'm really into Virgo energy personally. Uh, my daughter is a Virgo. She has a ton of Virgo placements. Frankie's a Virgo. A lot of my good friends are Virgos. Virgo is like across the chart from Pisces, like directly across the chart. And when you have like relationships with someone directly across the chart from you, that is typically like a karmic relationship. And some karmic relationships are really challenging and teach you things that you needed to know that you didn't quite get in your last life or maybe from earlier in this life. And so uh, they can they can be heavier relationships, um, but they are also like often really like powerful relationships. So noticing your your pull into that is is cool. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> All right. Well, I have something to add in here, which is my ex-wife and I used to constantly joke that what we really needed was a Virgo in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> They're very so, helpful. Then my daughter is a Virgo. So that's um, mine. But- <laughs> we all have Virgo daughters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Go team. Yes. Uh, Katie, what's your sign? Uh, I'm a Sagittarius. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I have a Aquarian and a Virgo in my, among my children. Oh. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. I always have a funny story because I've got this tattoo on my arm of um, myself as a Pisces, this two fish that are swimming around a crab and my husband is a cancer. Right. And so we got these tattoos as our like wedding tattoos because we didn't want to get each other's names tattooed, but we wanted something to symbolize our love. And we were both, we're, we're not actually super into astrology, though. I find it really fun and I love like talking about it and thinking about it. But um, when it came to like beautiful imagery, a fish and a crab or two fish and a crab like worked well for us. Right. And so when we got our uh, when we got pregnant and the assumed date fell in Leo territory, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get a tattoo on the other arm of a beautiful lion. It'll be in the same style. It's all watercolor. And then she was born 13 days late. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> she was a Virgo, and I was like, "There's no good tattoo for this." <laughs> Want to have a tattoo of a lady, like a virgin? I don't know. That doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm just I'm I'm waiting on ideas for that. I'll, I'll wait a until really maybe she's old. Tidy older. tattoo, maybe. <laughs> right, a little anal retentive tattoo on my arm. Oh, <laughs> oh um, one thing that I was gonna say about uh, like energy across the across the chart how Pisces and Virgo are across the chart from each other so when you have like a um, a placement that is across the chart from you you are both impacted and notice the same things right but you experience them very differently so having like the person across the chart from you as a close person you are going to 
with your relationship with them, have a deeper understanding of your experience because they are going to experience the same things, but they're going to experience them very differently, like in an earth sign way um, for Virgos. And mm-hmm. we experience things in a like emotional, intuitive way because we're bar signs. Um, Virgo is actually like the most intuitive earth sign. They get gut feelings because Virgo rules the, the belly. But yeah, that, that sort of um, like experience and like broadening broadening of your experience is cool when you um stop and look at that and like how your life is being enriched by the people in it and like what they're bringing to your to your experience and how you perceive things that is really fun i love that do we cover most of the stuff that you wanted to talk about today i think that we have yeah for the most part i have one thing that i wanted to talk about how um I really love that everyone, not everyone, but like a lot more people are like in profiles and things like sharing like their sun, moon rising. I think that's really cool. I like that everyone like knows their sun, moon rising now. Like that's, that's pretty excellent. And so like your sun is like the nature of the person, right? And then moon is like our emotions, how we feel, how, how, how we share feeling. And rising, I like to think of it as like our social shell. So this is like how we've learned to engage with like the world outside of us. And I love that these are um, the things that we share with each other, but I'm super nosy and I wish that people would share their Venus and Mercury too, because I'm (laughs) like, that's really going to show you, especially like relationship wise, that's really going to show you like how they respond to things and like also like why things are going to either make them happy or upset them with your like Venus being your passion placement and like Mars being like your action placement, knowing those things are really cool. So even if like you don't share your whole charts with people sharing like your Venus and Mercury is cool. Okay. Cupid is my favorite dating app for many reasons because it's like the most poly friendly being the main, but also the fact that like, astrological chart is just in there is really nice that you just like list, you know, I'm a Pisces to do. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, <laughs> I definitely am like an immediate left swipe. If you're not putting your astrological sign in there and it's an option, I'm like, we're clearly not suited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're not even going to list it. <laughs> also, I hope that Aquarius moon is treating you very nicely. Um, <laughs> All right, I want to come back to what you said about um, people, including their Venus and Mercury signs and stuff. Literally, other than my sun sign, the only thing I can ever remember about my chart is that my Venus rising. And I really do think that that is an interesting thing to connect with people on because yeah, it definitely has that like, it, is this going to be, you know, a potentially romantic or hot relationship? Right. <laughs> That is interesting. I just looked it up because I, I don't I remember the, the the main three. Right. And I just realized my Mercury and Sun are both in Pisces and maybe oh, this awesome. is in Aquarius. Yeah. And I don't know if that has any significance, but it's interesting to see. I'll read about it later. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's nice to have like your Mercury and your Sun in the same sign because like how you communicate and um, how you um how you like kind of like live your daily life are very integrated um so that that is nice and makes 
it makes it like a more predictable kind of thing. Like you're how you're going to respond to things. Yeah. I'm, I'm upfront about things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I am what I am. I don't hide anything generally and I'm shameless. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Yeah. I feel like we've gotten a lot of info here and, and I, well, one thing that I wanted to say, I know we've, we've listed off a couple links and resources, but do you have any advice for folks that are interested in either learning more about astrology for themselves or their partners or their polycules or, or tarot? Like, do you have any more resources or advice? Yeah, there's a ton of things online. Uh, again, Astro Matrix is my favorite app and astro.com is my favorite website. Um, they both have a ton of information. And then here in town, we have a monthly tarot meetup that is the Sunday before the full moon and it is open to everyone. You can find that on my Facebook page, which is uh, Cosmic Sorceress. And that's Sorceress is spelled S-O-U-R-C-E-S-S. I have info on those meetups there. There's also going to be a new event that Frankie and I are involved with that um, our friend Amy Leo is organizing. And that is going to be um, a new event where you can come and uh, have tarot readers do a reading for you. And I will be doing uh, Venus readings. Um, so like super specific chart readings that you can get. I also do solar solar return readings which is like predictive reading of your year and the things that are going to uh come into your life in the next year so if you're interested in getting like more into the spiritual community here in milwaukee those are a couple of ways you could do that yeah and i feel like a lot of large cities have meetups or or communities definitely definitely more spiritual and pagan uh communities popping up all over and typically like your your local stores will have information about meetups like that too for sure yeah and i know pre-pandemic there used to be a lot of things where it would be like you know bars would have tarot night or something and they'd hire someone to i I don't know if that's i think it's coming back again like it's slowly but surely coming back because i see the events occasionally on facebook and stuff and so yeah i feel like those happen sometimes i don't think it's just a i don't even think it's just a big city thing you know but it's definitely going to be more prevalent there yep absolutely um yeah and the the event that i just mentioned it's going to be um at a new brewery and i can't think of which one but I will have that information up on my cosmic sorcerers page too. Um, Yeah. Awesome. I will link all of these things as I find them. Well, this was a really fun conversation. I love talking about all of this. Um, It totally was. Thank you so much, Sparkles. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Like I said, info dumping with friends. Heck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. 
And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.